as you guys see, the tall, gray-haired guy is not here today, so I will be ministering the gospel for you guys. Um, if you could turn to your Bibles to the book of uh, Acts, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. I want to thank Pastor Kisol for giving me an opportunity, and I want to thank you guys in advance for being attentive to this to the Word of God this morning. So, I was wrestling back and forth what I wanted to preach this uh, morning, and Yanni and I, you know, the Sons of Thunder, whatever Pastor called us, we just wanted to make sure we weren't preaching the same sermon. I mean, you know, they say great minds think alike, so we run into that issue all the time at work, don't we, Jan? So... We just, uh, we were talking and I was very stirred, um, so I want to um, talk about the book Acts, uh, again, chapter 1, 6 through 8. So, in 2023, many of you guys have heard about the Asbury Revival. This was a quote-unquote Christian revival at Asbury University out of uh, Whitmore, Kentucky. The revival was sparked by uh, students spontaneously staying in a, a huge auditorium following a regular scheduled chapel service on February 8th. 2023. This nonstop two-week prayer session at Asbury University brought tens of thousands of people across the country to this Christian campus in Kentucky has finally ended. This is an article from Inside Higher Ed. If you wanted to read more on that, that was verbatim. Many people in the world believed and were very excited for what was happening at this university. They were like, yeah, this is it. This is the next big Jesus people movement. And the reason I'm bringing up this article is because this revival that they had for two weeks was known throughout the world. Two weeks. But it only lasted two weeks. And I'm not saying that it wasn't a movement by God by any means. That's, don't take it the wrong way. But I'm saying God's movements don't last only two weeks. That's, that's not true. And um, the truth is that God has always been moving. Not just in Asbury for two weeks, but he's always been moving. And I can't speak for other fellowships, and I can't discredit them, but our fellowship has been experiencing exactly what Asbury Revival for those two years, for 50 years. And throughout our fellowship, we're growing at an incredible rate. We have a Bible conference next week. There was a Bible conference next week. Uh, last week, pretty soon, we're going to have Bible conferences every week. And we're just going to have conference all the time, which is exciting. But we have over 3,000 churches in over a hundred nations in the world. And every month, people are sent into cities and nations doing and replicating what we've been taught because this is what true revival is. This is our vision. This is what the Bible tells us to do. And it is the way that God's will is accomplished. God's will is to use common men and women to accomplish the supernatural through the Holy Spirit. The portion of scripture we're going to read this morning is a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus gives them a very important set of instructions. And those set of instructions are a desperate need for our generation today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Uh, this is the New Living Translation. This is chapter 1, 6 through 8. It is titled, The Ascension of Jesus, not my sermon, the beginning of the text. So, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come... For you to free Israel and restore a kingdom. Jesus replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and those times. And they are not for you to know. But, and this is, the, this is what I want to emphasize on this morning. But you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes onto you and you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'd like to minister a sermon this morning I've entitled The Voice of Truth. Let's begin to look firstly at receiving the Holy Spirit. In our main text, Jesus speaks directly to his disciples. At this point in time, it would have been about five weeks after the resurrection. Remember, Jesus was here 40 days before he ascended into heaven. And Jesus soon would leave them physically to return to heaven. But before leaving, he forewarns them about what is to come in the near future. Acts 1, 7 through 8. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set the dates and times, and you are not, and that's not for you to know, but you will receive power of the Holy Spirit when it comes on to you, and you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here we see Jesus is giving the disciples a very uh, a specific set of instructions. They ask him in Acts 1-6, when will he restore the broken world? But Jesus tells them something very profound, and I want you guys to understand that the statement that he made to the disciples still applies to you and I today. He says in one, verse 1, chapter 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on to you, and you will be my witnesses telling everyone about me in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus tells them that for the time being, before our world is restored, that we have to do, we have something physically and spiritually that we need to do. And although a work will be accomplished through you and I, it will not be from us. It will be from above. This main text that we had read this morning goes hand in hand with uh, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, therefore, go and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples to obey your commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am always with you and I will be with you into the ends of the days. These two portions go hand in hand and these are what we would consider marching orders. This scripture, Matthew 28, 19-20, is what our fellowship has based its vision off of. Evangelism, discipleship, a church planning. God's from the beginning, his plan was to use man to bring honor and to glory to his name. And we know many people have failed, but at the end of the day, God has still reigned over all these years and he will continue. God uses us to accomplish supernatural things. And as believers, you and I are representations Of Christ, And you and I are obligated to carry out these orders. This doesn't say men only carry out these orders or, you know, a certain race or a certain nation. No, this says everyone. And the good news is that we will have supernatural assistance to carry out these orders. And Jesus tells us that we have, will have power. And if you're familiar with your Bible, you've heard the stories throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Noah's Ark, Moses parting the Red Sea. You heard Peter told the blind man, surely I don't have money and gold, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Uh, Peter, who, cowardly Peter, betray, uh, not betrayed, but he denied Jesus. Then a couple weeks later, he's preaching to 3,000 people. 3,000 3, people get saved. How? Supernatural. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes onto you, and you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm a camel. There you go. I'm in. See, that's why Patrick Johnson did it, maybe. 
All right. Jesus tells us that we will be witnesses throughout the earth. But prior to this statement, he mentions first you will receive power. Church, let me tell you something. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot bring people to know who God truly is and what he really has to offer for the broken people in this world. And this is why Jesus said you will receive power and then you will be witnesses. There are no doubt many churches throughout the world and many people who have great intentions on spreading the gospel. But if they lack the Holy Spirit, they cannot give people the true experience of what Christianity is about. The Holy Spirit is not optional, church. The Holy Spirit is not only for certain people. Acts 1.8 tells us two things. The Holy Spirit is first a promise and secondly, it's a command. And therefore, we cannot bring forth God's word effectively without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's look secondly at supernatural power. You see, God has promised you and I supernatural power. By definition, supernatural is something that is not subject to the laws of nature or exist and beyond nature. The same power that God has given his son, Jesus Christ, is the same power that is available to us. This is the intention of the Holy Spirit. It's God's spirit within the believers accomplishing supernatural things. I so appreciate that song, The Same Power by Jeremy Camp. Listen to these lyrics that he says. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake, lives in us, lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the same power that calmed the raging sea, lives in us. It lives in us. This is very profound, church, that this man would have this tremendous revelation and put it in a song. And now we can reference that because Jeremy Camp had this revelation that God is who he is and he took God at his word. Luke 24, 49 tells us, and I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father has promised, but stay here into the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Jesus tells his disciples, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. God does not break promises. When he makes a promise, he intends on keeping it. But it's up to you and I. The promise is for every believer in Christ. So now that we have an understanding and a foundation of what the Holy Spirit is, and that it's in a promise and it's a command, let's look at what happens and what's in store for those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. I came up with ten things that I believe that are going to help you guys tremendously. It was an amazing revelation to me, and I couldn't hold it in, so i got to share it with you guys. And guess what? The first thing that the Holy has to offer is what? It's power. Yes. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes onto you, and you shall be witnesses in me in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. This is the simple truth. As I said earlier, we are not effective without the Holy Spirit. We are weak and we are limited into what we can do as humans. But God, knowing the weakness, he gave us the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there is a need for power in your life and my life as well. The same power that Jesus has, he has given you and I the same power, the authority, and the influence to bring people to Christ. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom God the Father has sent in my name, he shall teach you things, and he shall bring all things to your remembrance, and whoever I've said unto you. The Amplified Version, which is another version, says Comforter as well. The word Comforter is a comfort. But Jesus says, I will send the same. In Greek, the word for same is allos. 
So Jesus is telling the people that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is the same as Jesus was with the disciples. So when the disciples were losing Jesus, they weren't really losing him. He was just being replaced. Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed, blessed be the God, the Father, Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with comfort, which is not from ourselves, but it is comforted for God. So Jesus comforts us so you and I can go comfort others. And through storms of life, the Holy Spirit, it's constantly at work. In the hearts of believers protecting us from those unfavorable circumstances. That's what the comforter does. Number three, the Holy Spirit is protection. Acts 16, 6 through 7. Now when they had gone through that word and that word too, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Afterward, they would come to Misha and they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. This text here, Acts 16 through um, 6 to 7, this is uh, Paul's missionary trip. This is his second one. But the, what the, it's saying the Holy Spirit did not permit him. Why? We don't know. It could have been danger, but the Holy Spirit did not permit him. So this could have been, because I don't know, there could have been bandits. There could have been a lot of things that have done, but God knows the un foreseen circumstances. He knows what's ahead of us. And that's why he said, Paul, no, you are not to go there. And he does the same thing for you and I. Number four, the Holy Spirit brings spiritual values. Ephesians 2, 3 through 6. Among you, which we have all conducted ourselves in lust and flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and by the nature and the wrath just as others, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us. And even once we were once dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together by Christ and by the grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit in the heavenly place with Jesus Christ. So Paul's speaking about moral values and I should have did new living translation, but I did new King James because I was studying for it uh, and I'm sorry. It was confusing, so you're going to have to read that on your old time. But it's moral values. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, our moral values change. We should no longer be passionate about our own worldly or lustful desires is what Paul tells us. Your desires should be what God wants. We should have a compassion for God. You know, we sing that song, this is my desire. These words are very powerful, and they have powerful meaning. This is my desire to honor you. You know, when we desire God, we desire his will and not for our will to be done. And Jesus said that himself. Number five, the Holy Spirit offers new life. Second Corinthians three, five through six. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers in his new covenant. This covenant is not written by the laws, but by the spirit. The old covenant ends in death, but the new covenant gives life. Have I, as I said before in the sermon, and I'm going to circle back to the statement. I'm going to say verbatim. This statement is very important for you to understand. There are many churches and even people who want to give a true experience of Christianity, but they cannot because they lack the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a promise. The Holy Spirit is a command. Therefore, we cannot bring forth God's word effectively without being filled with 
the Holy Spirit. We as a fellowship, we are a great example of um, what the Holy Spirit is, an example of what new life represents. All over our fellowship, we are growing at incredible rate. And this is because we share the gospel with the world and we tell them that they can have new life. That there is hope. And that is done through the Holy Spirit. There's nothing in this world that can compare to the new life that you can have with Jesus Christ. And our fellowship is a living example of that. You and I are expected to come into church one way and to leave another spiritually changed. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. It's constantly at work giving us a new life. Number six, it is the spirit of truth. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but what he hears he will speak. And he will tell you that the things are to come. Jesus in this text is speaking of the Holy Spirit. When we become believers... And we are filled with the Holy Spirit. There are gifts of prophecy, which we see ever so often in services. There are uh, God speaking messages through people to individuals, which is a word of knowledge, which here's a little side note. Words of knowledge should always be encouraging. This is also um, God. This is because this is God's character. And um, then, of course, there's ministering the gospel beyond the pulpit. This is the spirit of truth speaking or through witnessing. These are all these three things are all examples of spirit of truth. Number seven, when you become filled with the Holy Spirit, you have access to God. Ephesians 2, 8. For through him, we have been both for through him. We have both access by one spirit to the father. Luke ten nineteen tells us, look, I have given you the authority over the power of the enemy. And if you walk among snakes and scorpions, you will crush them and nothing will injure you. When you become filled with the Holy Spirit, you and I have been given direct access to God's throne. When we, we can exercise the um, authority over the demonic and take dominion because God has given this to you and I. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give advice. The, to another, the Spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives the faith to another. And another one, to the Spirit, the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. And another, the ability to prophecy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak an unknown language, while another is given the ability to interpret this. These here are what we know as are the spiritual gifts. And God has not only given us the authority and dominion, but he has also given us these gifts that we should Contend for it as believers because these gifts will help us grow, strengthen, and they will help us to encourage one another. Number eight, the Holy Spirit offers hope. Romans 15, 13. Now may God, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may be abound in the power of the Holy Spirit. As a fellowship, we give an opportunity as we will this morning which is called an altar call. If you're not familiar with what an altar call is, by definition, an altar is where man meets God. And at our altar calls, we are trained as 
disciples to say there is hope. Because there's nothing in this world that can give you the hope and the peace and the freedom and the new life that Jesus can give us. So after someone receives Christ in their heart, this hope, there's a change. There should be a change. And if there's not, that's an issue. But you should become refreshed. You should feel full of joy and hope and peace. And that's because the hope that Jesus offers, it lifts the burden of sin off of our shoulders. And God, knowing our weakness as humans, and in order to stay joyful and to stay at hope and in peace, God gave us the Holy Spirit to keep this hopeful and this refreshing spirit in our lives. Number nine, God has given us a liberty. Second Corinthians 3.17. Now the spirit, now the spirit of the Lord is, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is a liberty. The word liberty means freedom. There's a song called Freedom by Josh Baldwin. Listen to this lyrics. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we'll be dancing through the darkness because we believe it. And every stronghold has to break in the name of Jesus. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. These lyrics are so truthful. When God's spirit dwells, there's no other feeling. There's nothing in this world that can offer the liberty that God has given us. I'm going to tell you why. Because I was a backslider once. And it was so hard for me to get on my knees and repent. Because sin is bondage. It's a picture of yoke. You ever someone say they break the yoke of sin? Yoke is this big thing that the oxens carry around and they plow the fields like that. Maybe not in that motion, but you get the point. But that's what sin was. And I was so bound. And let me tell you something. There's no freedom in this world. You've heard many people say it. Sin is expensive. And it's not only expensive physically, like money, but spiritually. And when you are bound to sin, there's no freedom. You heal to a slave. Who is he who is a sinner is a slave to sin? Something like that. See, I'm trying to go off the dome. It's okay. I'll get better as time goes on. But you get the point. When you are living a life of sin, you become bound to it. And there is no freedom. But when you accept Christ into your heart and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there is a liberty. There, again, there's a lot of people who have great intentions on sharing the gospel. But a lot of people go to church and they leave church the same. They're not receiving that liberty that God offers. Number 10, lastly, being filled with the Holy Ghost is a dramatic, it's a sudden, and it's a over powering experience. Acts 10 44. When Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell onto all those who heard the word. A lot of people have this misconception that when you're being filled with the Holy Ghost, it's like three, two, one. Boom! And you just start speaking in tongues. That's not how it works. But it is a sudden and an overwhelming experience. 1044, when Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell all onto those who heard the word. See, it wasn't anticipated. It just happened. It was dramatic. One second you're praying, and boom, you just start speaking Chinese. It's weird. It just happens. And you have to step into faith and continue to speak those words. When the Holy Spirit is present, it's tangible. It's an overwhelming experience. Overwhelming experience is the perfect word for it. You, you, you can't explain it. So anyways, these are the ten traits of what the Holy Spirit is.
And it's not, again, for certain people. It's for everyone. They all go hand in hand. And we as believers, we desperately need the Holy Spirit. And without being filled with the Holy Spirit, people, and if you're not filled, you'll never experience the true power of God and the potential that God has for your life and for those others. All right, let's look finally at exercising God-given authority. So the disciples would need the Holy Spirit to fulfill the mission that God had given them. If you believe in Jesus and you confess it with your mouth, you have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Remember, Jesus commands us, you disciples, to go into all the nations. And a disciple, by definition, is a follower of Christ. And this is for you and I. So if Jesus told the disciples to go into all the cities and nations to preach the gospel, disciple by definition means follower. So you guys are followers. And Jesus gives you guys, first of all, a promise. And secondly, a command. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you and I always will be with you to the end, end of the days. Before the disciples went out and started their churches, Jesus told them to first wait for the Holy Spirit. He tells them to wait because the impo- without no Holy Spirit, there is no everlasting impact. And the Holy Spirit is the key of God's Spirit to pour out. Luke twenty four forty nine. God has an important work for you. God has important work for you to do for him. But you must do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We often like to get the job done, which means like we like to run ahead of God and do things our way. But waiting sometimes is needed, and sometimes waiting is God's plan. And we need to run off of God's plan and his timing, and that's when the power of God will truly be effectable. Our text describes a series of ever-widening circles. Acts 1, 6-8. This was our main text, in case you forgot. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has set those times and those dates, and they are for not for you to know, but you will receive power, which is a promise, When the Holy Spirit comes onto you and you will be witnesses, you will be telling people about me. This is the command everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The good news was spread geologically from Jerusalem into Judea, Samaria, and finally to the ends of the earth. It would be with devout Jews in Jerusalem, Samaria, and spreading to mixed races in Samaria. And then finally, it would be offered to the rest of the world, which is that dispensation that we're in now. God, God's good news has not reached its final destination yet. That's why we are continuing to do what we do. As each day goes by, we become closer and closer to the coming of Christ. Uh, So the time that you and I have is limited, but the power and the influence that we have is not. Now is the time where God's people need to tell someone, tell their family, Tell their friends, tell their workplace, tell their community about the good news and the hope that there's in Jesus Christ. As I close, in 1970, Wayman and Nelda Mitchell moved to Prescott to take over a small struggling congregation. Shortly after arriving, 
God saved a number of young hippies who, who were very different than anyone else in the church, but they were welcomed. God began to pour his spirit out onto that congregation. As Pastor Mitchell sought to reach the young people, they saw the possibilities of a coffee house, a concert ministry. Also, what we do is a 180. At the first concert they ever tried, as an evangelistic tool, there were more than 200 young people that attended, and many of them were saved. Out of this concert ministry was birth. Two nights a week, bands played, testimonies of salvation were given, and the gospel was preached, and many were saved every night. From the beginning, Pastor Mitchell understand that the concert ministry would be a training ground of ministry development. It was run by young people who were committed to Jesus and his church. From the beginning, people who had been radically converted sought to share with others what God had done with them. Personal evangelism became one of the basic foundations of the church. Personal evangelism, keyword. Then came impact teams, groups of people that should travel to nearby cities and help the people experience what God was doing over there. Over time, God began to reveal his plan of discipleship, training young couples for ministry within the local church. In 1973, the first couple was launched directly into the ministry, and God blessed them. Churches then began planted into the southern United States and further across America as converts prayed And the gospel was preached in their hometowns. In 1978, the first couple was planted into another nation, Australia. We then discovered that the gospel worked there as well, just like it did here. It's kind of weird. After that, churches were then planted in Mexico, Holland, and Germany. And then we began to understand that God's global mission more and more. Churches began to get planted throughout the world. To date, there are over 3,000 churches throughout the United States of the world in over 100 nations. This little passage that I read you, that's our fellowship. And it started through a man, Wayman Mitchell, who was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was obedient to God. Acts 2, 17-21, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit among all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders in the heaven above the signs of the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn red before the great and glorious days of the Lord's arrival. But everyone who calls on the name of, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, folks, you and I tonight are part of a powerful movement of God. This is not the work of men. Pastor Mitchell would say at every Bible conference, look what God has done. He didn't say, look what Wayman Mitchell has done. Look what God has done. And then although over the years our fellowship has gone through many storms and trials and, you know, there's hills and there's valleys, our fellowship has remained faithful because of the men and women. And they made themselves available to be used by God. And today you and I are living fruit of that. I truly believe that this is just the beginning of what God's going to do. We have not experienced as a church nor a fellowship what God is going to do and what he has in store for us. Acts 2.17, in the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit out onto all people. We see the chaos that's going on in our city. 
we see the chaos that's going on in the world that we live in today, not to mention what's going on in the Middle East right now. Now is the time before it's too late. People need to realize that the time we have is limited, but the power and the authority that God has given us is not. And we as believers need to lay hold of God's word and exercise the Holy Spirit and the power and the authority that he has given us. Let's bow our heads, church. Let's close our eyes as we uh, conclude this service this morning. I want to give an opportunity to those who do not know who Jesus Christ is. You see, this morning we talked about the Holy Spirit. And the only way that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit is through repentance. You see, the Bible says that repenting is confessing that, God, I am a sinner. I have sinned against you. The Bible says that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. It's not by our good deeds. Our good deeds are filthy rags. So many people have this impression that if I do good, if I tithe, if I come to church. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that none of us are worthy. That none is righteous. And God knew that from the beginning when Adam and Eve brought the curse of sin in this world. That's something you and I have been born with. I have a kid now and you don't have to tell them not to do something. They do it anyways. And he's only nine months, uh, seven months, but he doesn't listen anyways. So it's like, but this is our nature. This is how we are. Someone says do and we go against it. And that's a sinful nature. The Bible says that sin is what man knows is right, but yet does wrong. And you see the state of society. Just the wicked movements these antichrist movements, the agendas that are pushed against these children, anti-God. That's because we're in the last days, church. And God promises in these last days he will pour out his spirit. And God wants to pour his spirit onto you, believers, and to non-believers. And maybe there's people in this place here this morning, you are not a believer in Jesus Christ. You are not saved. The Bible says it's appointed every man wants to die and after this a judgment. It's so tragic how many people are dying from suicide. They're dying from overdosing or just these crazy just accidents, catastrophic events that are just happening. People are dying. Stepping into eternity. And if that you were you this morning, would God say, depart from me for I do not know you? Or would he say, welcome in my faithful servant? You can have the reassurance this morning that you can make heaven in your home. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He put sin to death. That's what the cross represents. It represents sin. He shed his blood for you and I. So we don't have to bear the weight of this sin. We went over the 10 things that the Holy Spirit offers. That's for you. But you cannot have these things if you are bound to sin. He who sins is a slave to sin. And you can be set free through Jesus Christ. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning. You want to receive Jesus Christ in your heart. You know that if you were to stand before God, that your heart is not right with God. If you would just lift up your hand and say, God, forgive me of my sin. God sees those hands. 
You can put that hand down. Does anyone want to join this honest heart here this morning? God sees that hand. Does anyone else want to join these honest hearts? You guys can put your hands down. God sees those hands. Anyone else? Backslider. I've been in your shoes. I've been bound to sin. But when I decided I've had enough, I repented and oh, what God has done. But it's repentance, backslider. God is dealing with you. Unsaved, last call. Anyone else want to join these honest hearts with an uplifted hand? These gentlemen that lifted up their hand, you guys, would you guys come forward? Someone's going to pray with you. I need men to pray with them. Steve, Brian, Yanni. Pray with these young men, please. Turning to the church this morning. Guys, we're in the last days. We don't have much time. And I'm telling you right now, if you and I don't operate through the Holy Spirit, we're not going to see revival. You've seen what this fellowship has done over the last 50 years. And God is going to continue to move. We haven't seen in Rochester, New York, what God has to offer. We haven't seen in the Potter's House Christian Fellowship what God has to offer. There have been prophecies and Bible conferences that we are going to see tens of thousands of churches. And you and I are going to be a part of that. But we must earnestly contend for the Holy Spirit. And that's a free gift that God has given us. You guys come to the altar this morning. Pray to God. As the altars opened, we're going to sing that song, My Jesus, My Savior. My Jesus and my Savior, and Lord, there is none like you. I want to praise the wonders of your your mighty love my comfort my comfort oh God we need you oh God for your spirit God unto this people oh God men and women God young and old Holy Spirit oh come down from heaven God touch us oh at this altar God lead us let us be this God, we need you, God. Oh, Holy Spirit, have God, touch us at the source. Let us leave this place changed. Oh, bring conviction, revelation. Oh, God, stir the hearts of men and women. Oh, to step God into the unseen. Oh, let there be a supernatural dimension and works in the hearts of this My Jesus, my Savior. And my Jesus, and my Savior, and Lord, there is none like you. 
and all of my days and I want to praise the wonders of your your mighty love my comfort in tower of refuge and strength and let every breath and all that I am and never cease to worship come on church let's sing it shout to the Lord and shout to the Lord all the earth let us sing in power and majesty praise to the King and mountains bow down and the seeks will roar at the sound. Come on, church, let's stand to our feet and sing it. I sing for joy. And I sing for joy at the works of your hand. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the nothing compares. Oh, nothing compares. Come on, church, one more time. Nothing compares. Oh, nothing compares to the promise I have. Come on, church, give God praise this morning. Hallelujah. Shandala la rebekio no lo rebe shandala la rebekio no lo 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 we worship your name my god my king hallelujah